and hello, Pop Pickers. We're back on Stardub. Episode 62. Episode 62, which has no significance of any kind whatsoever, other than the fact that uh, Rolf Baines and uh, Mr. Andrew, Mr. Andrew are here once again uh, to tell you about items of pop culture which you might not have heard enough discussion about. Or discussed enough about. Which, ironically, is... Uh, so far removed from our first topic of conversation. Indeed, indeed. As, as we record this exciting, scintillating and possibly sensual uh, podcast. You stay to your half of the couch. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, podcast. Um, it's been only a few days since the first Doctor Who 50th anniversary drama piece aired on uh, television and on YouTube and on iPlayer. We, of course, speak of the mini-episode known as The Night of the Doctor. Which uh, basically serves as a, a caveat and basically now a Hail Mary pass from, uh, Mr. S- from Stephen Moffat, which means all of his previous sins and anything that he's done during his tenure with Doctor Who have been instantly forgiven. That's true, because when it comes to the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, which is of course one of the most significant events in human history. All history, all, not just all, human. All history, that's right, all history everywhere. Um, is that uh, we, these two fanboys in particular, had a, a, a certain fan-like desire for um, 50th anniversary. But number one, can't happen. Uh, the Brigadier can't meet the current Doctor. Nicholas Courtney sadly left us. Indeed. Uh, so we can't have that. But within the realms of actual possibility, all we wanted was Paul McGann as the 8th Doctor on screen. I personally didn't mind if it was a spit in a cough, if he appeared... Set two words like like Jamie the Phantom of Jamie the Five Doctors. Yeah, he'd been on screen, said a couple of words, and vanished. That's fine because I've never expected to ever see him on on uh, on television again. We, we've got the big finish audios, we love them, which are fantastic. But we've always hoped that's been that perverse hope. And as the fiftieth anniversary got nearer and nearer, it's like, could this be the McGann's time? There's also the 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 other fan desire tying in, which is we still don't know what happened to the Eighth Doctor. Yeah, was he in the Time War? How did he regenerate? How did he become cake bastard? Yep. We just we just didn't know. Um, so I, I was at work uh, on Thursday. This uh, particular mini episode was not supposed to deploy until the Saturday. Yep. Uh, I was I was just come out of a team meeting at work at midday on Thursday. I switched on the phone and the silent member of the podcast, Phil. Hello, Phil. What do you feel? Good words there, Phil. Um, sent me a text saying you would squeal like a teenage fanboy, and I thought, okay, what could it be? Now, bear in mind that. Well, there have been rumours that McGann was appearing. There have been rumours that McGann had been appearing in Doctor Who since 2005. <laughs> in fact, before the episodes aired 2005. Since the show was announced to be brought back, roughly this time, 10 years ago. Jesus. <laughs> late 2003. Um, it's been, we've been said that Paul McGann will come back. and um, Generally, any time anyone who looks vaguely like McCann, McGann has lunch with anyone in Cardiff who looks vaguely like a member of the production team, Outpost Gallifrey have reported that Paul McGann is in an episode. So I didn't take much much from that. Um, but I thought oh, there'll be something fan like in this. Um, I can't really wait until after work because there's no it'll get spoiled. People at work know I'm a Doctor Who fan, people have smartphones, somebody might have watched it in the long chair, or I might have um, checked something because I was in the office most of that day. I could have checked something on the, the internet and just forgotten and stumbled upon it or looked at the news and it would be spoiled. And I don't like to be spoiled for Doctor Who. So I thought, right, I grabbed the smartphone off of uh, somebody nearby, so give me that smartphone, plugged the headphones in, and I began to watch. 
and I damn near shat my pants at my... Well, we don't actually have desks, but the place I was sitting at. And it's like, all my colleagues, don't talk to me for another 6 minutes, 49 seconds. Ignored everyone, didn't answer the phone, didn't do my work, watched this and just went... And it just, I was like, it was McGann. And he was on screen for quite a bit. Yep. And he had good lines of dialogue. And he had a, a new costume. Yep. Which looked a bit like the old costume, but, but updated. And we got to see a regenerate. It's like, yep. it's like, basically, that I did not obscene myself and turn the walls white is a testament to the strength of my character, I feel. Um, I, however, was off work during the week and was uh, actually significantly hungover that day due to some, uh, some alcohol misadventures the night before. And I got Phil's tweet and it's like, I must find out what this is. So I dragged myself off the couch and went up to the iMac, put it on. It's like, just had the night with the doctor, and then the minute it goes, and it goes, the, the ship's doing a sort of state of nature of medical emergency, so you can get the right medical because I'm not looking for a doctor, says the man. And he goes, Well, I'm the doctor, just not the one you're expecting. And at that point, my fist was in the air, punching in delight. Yes. It's like, Yes! And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was also uh, quite good as well because now. <laughs> Since two th- BBC, BBC have tried to do um, little small tie-in mini-episodes since 2006. They initially did it with the first David Tennant season, what were called Tardisodes. Yes, Tardisodes, which were designed to be watched on the, was that the mobile uh, phones the at the time. Uh, no, that was before the grass. The Tardisodes were 60-second prequels to each of the episodes of that season. Uh, where, like for School Reunion, you would see Mickey in a, on a computer looking up the information about the skill in Fallen and Rose, or uh, famously for the Impossible Planet, it was supposed to be Space Headquarters somewhere, which was basically a janitorial room with a desk in it, and some women saying to this guy, you're the top bloke of a top ship. And it was just awful. They were awful. And they've been deleted from history because you won't find them on any BBC DVD or Blu-ray, or download. Uh, you... You won't find them on any BBC online website. They've all gone and they're never talked about. They were, I don't know why. But since then, they've tried various things. There was like the Attack of the Grass um, sort of online interactive episode game thing. And the, during the Moffat either in particular, they've done little wee skits, all of which were awful. Um, now, when I say awful, that's not to actually get too particularly annoyed about them because they were just extra content, chucked up for free, online, as a wee extra to the episode, so eh, whatever. The, the effort was fine. But with the Night of the Doctor, I think they finally cracked it. They finally cracked it how to do an actual popper little mini episode um, and give some interesting possibilities for the future. Because we forget that you know, BBC Online, uh, before the show came back, they were doing internet drama for Doctor Who. Yes, uh, Scheme of the Shalka. Uh, Death Comes to Time, Real Time, Shadow, and the other one. No, it wasn't. I'm talking nonsense. Yeah. You're thinking of Ghost, Ghost of Albion, which was done but yeah. of the same. Stuff like that. So they go in there, so, but with this, it's because it's, it's almost seven minutes long, but you've got a beginning, an end, and a unique doctor. And it actually works as an actual episode, which just happens to be seven minutes long. It's like, we'll have some more. And again, it raises a nice possibility now of let's go back and fill in some of the gaps with them again. I mean, I. Again, we're going to get the Time War stuff in it, but not a huge amount, because by this point, the Time War's obviously been raging for quite some time, and he's obviously been avoiding it for quite a while. Yes. Is the implication just from the human's reaction to uh, him having a TARDIS and being a Time Lord. But he's fantastic. Uh, great shout-out to all the Big Finish companions. Yes. Or, it's not all of them, but some Most of the more prominent ones. 
and which triggered much amusing bitching on Og that nobody's mentioned anyone from the books. Uh, well, the way I look at it is the books are that are print. Yes, I can go and get Paul McGann audios because Big Finish stuff's available at, through disc because they keep it in print and keep making them. And you get them all digitally. As well. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah if, I, if I watched that and decided I'll go and get, um, you know, uh, Vampire Science or The Vengeance of Henry Street Alien Bodies, I can't. So I can see why they didn't yeah. name check them. Plus, you have to draw a line somewhere, otherwise the Eighth Doctor says, I salute to you all my friends and companions, and then stands there for two minutes where he leaves all the comic ones, Sarah from Radio Times, Times yep. BBC books, <laughs> Benny, everyone, you know, a bit ludicrous, so yeah. there you go. But that's nice. Also, it's the kind of fan mind that works, because if you know who he's talking about, it's a lot of bit. If you don't, it literally is the scene as played. The Doctor says, I salute my past companions. And, and says a few names. And also has people then going and does think of, oh look, who are these other companions to talk about? What are these other adventures he's had with them? Apparently Big Finish have had a very good weekend. Yes. Uh, by their comments online. Which uh, we can't begrudge them because they are fine purveyors of uh, audio drama. Yes, I've been there since their first release, the Benny Summerfield cassettes in 1998. I uh, know, I was a bit of a Johnny come lately with the uh, Zagreus stuff in Neverland. Yeah, as I was pointing to my girlfriend the other day, I said, look, my 255th download has just popped up in my account. <laughs> I give them lots and lots of money. Um, we encourage you to do so as yeah. well. But again, you know, it's, it's also it's a, it's a clever tie-in because um, you don't have to go. It's the BBC's public service agreement. They can't do something that means you have to go and pay money yeah. to get the rest of the story. So it's fine. And if you enjoyed it, um, the began radio episodes of that Radio 4 extra quite a lot. In fact, there's two of them on... The and next week, week uh, Lucy Miller to the death. Both of which are very enjoyable. Yes, so you can listen to this stuff for free. So, yeah, the plot's very simple. Basically, the Doctor appears as this uh, gunship's crashing. There's only one member of the crew on board as she's teleported everyone to safety. So she's obviously trying to either bring the ship down safely. Uh, so he tries to rescue her, and it looks like, oh, it's the traditional Doctor shows in as a, this whirlwind magical force of nature. Exciting, come along with me on this new life of adventure as he seems to do these days when he wants yes. a new companion. Uh, but she realises he's a Time Lord, and because the war is on, uh, she's, he's like, I'm one of the nice Time Lords, I'm not part of the war, I never was. Mm. She sees Balks at it, she seals a bulkhead in trapping him, so they're both going to die. And he's trying to get him, goes, she goes, I'm not going to leave this ship without you, he goes, and she says, well, you'll die. That's the best news I've had all day. Mm. So he crash lands onto a particular planet of significance of, in Doctor Who lore. What planet could this be, Andy? It's, it's the planet of Karn. Oh, from which adventure? That would be from uh, the Brain of Morbius. Which actually makes me laugh as well, because um, as part of this McGann episode, it's of course sparked the old canon and continuity debates, which is funny because it ties into the episode that showed all the extra Doctors that people are still arguing about 40 years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you have him land on Karn, where the sisterhood of Karn, who were sort of the female sort of rulers of Gallifrey once upon a time, in effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before the, depending on how how wanky you want to get, before the the curse of the Pythia and the looms and the please don't ever read Long Barrow, it isn't actually all that good. I I have a certain fondness for as, it because of the context of the time when this was the final seventh Doctor as, adventure. There's no audios. Yeah. Uh, yes, but it's not good. It's, no, it's not. Mark Platt has done many, many fine Doctor Who stories in various media. That is not one of them. Afraid. So, but the system of Karn control and the elixir of eternal boredom, as the Doctor calls it, eternal life, mm. and they bring the Doctor back to life. Apparently, he was dead 
didn't regenerate, died. Nice little point. Uh, and probably something that will be addressed as I'm knowing Moffat's like of these little details. So they bring them back for four minutes, but they say, we can regenerate you, but it doesn't have to be arbitrary. You can design your regeneration this time. You need to fight in the time war. You need to stop it. You're the only one that can. Mm. And he has the whole ethical debate of, like, I'm not going to do it. They bring in the dead body of, of the young lady, mm. and he kind of realises, because the pithier woman confronts him and goes, uh, how many, the sort of sister of Karn priestess goes, how many more will you let die? Mm. And so he takes her bullet belt, or ammo, and goes, I need to be a warrior. Mm. There's no, no use for a doctor anymore. She, she gives him a goblet of specially prepared elixir that she'd taken a little bit of preparing her there. Yep. He gubs it, regenerates, which you don't actually see. Yes. In a way, not the usual sort of face yeah. now. The typical gold halo of energy starts spilling out from his head and his hands. He ducks away off screen and comes back and you see his face reflected. And it's young John Hart. Yeah. Not old John Hart. Young John Hart. And saying, uh, Doctor No More. Yeah. And he calls him then the War Doctor. The War, which is great. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's, it. That, that's an awful lot for six minutes and 48 seconds. As you can tell, Augur's gone mental already with various polls and, and debates and stuff. Is it canon? <laughs> yes. Uh, there have there have been many threads and also a poll. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love an Augur poll. Uh, yeah, I mean um... <laughs> It's basically it's the internet equivalent of an asylum for crazy people. Yes. There are some good people in there and there are some talented bit but if you want to know where the crazy Doctor Who fans are, they don't post Fanfic on Tumblr about the doctor having sex with random people. The ones that don't do that are on But it's good, there's a good channeling mechanism there because they're mostly channeled into the, the real crazies and the missing episodes Mega Thread. Now in Part 35. And the, the ratings overnight thread. Oh, I love the ratings overnight thread, it's great. Ever since Doctor Who came back on television, um, there's a hardcore group who every Sunday morning. When the um, overnights are on the overnights come and proclaim that the show is doomed, it's cancelled, it's all gone away. And there's nothing you can do to talk them down. And currently, uh, Night of the Doctor is the number one programme on the BBC iPlayer. And has something like a million hits on its YouTube channel already. Um, both of these results appear to be quite a bit beyond um, previous efforts. And expectations, I believe. Yes. I mean, uh, the Pond Life one did very well on the iPlayer. Yeah. But not to this extent, not as quickly. No. Which, when you consider as well that it's... It doesn't have Matt Smith or David Tennant in it. Yeah. Most viewers won't know Paul McGann as a doctor. Yeah. So it's clearly doing well word of mouth. Yep. Unless, of course, 99% of these people are tuning in for the first minute and going, who's that <laughs> switching off? <laughs> Which is something you can't tell from these kind of things. That is true. But if these people are doing that, you are wrong. It's true. So, having successfully discussed that for twice in the running time... Yeah. <laughs> uh, here is, here is an exciting um, Doctor Who adventure, which I mentioned because we watched it last night. We did. Uh, and it kind of actually ties in because it's uh, one of the uh, steeped in lore of the series episodes. And also what we have to say pretty much is the actual definitive Time Lords or shit story. That's true. We speak of course of the Deadly Assassin. By uh, Warhol's. Yeah, the deadly assassin, as opposed to the mild assassin. Uh, or the not terribly good assassin. Anyway, uh, since you're on the back of the DVD case, Gallifrey, planet of the Time Lords, the Doctor has finally come home, but not by choice. 
summoned by a vision from the Matrix. And it's capital T for the capital information. He is drawn into he is drawn into web of political intrigue and intrigue and assassination. Not a web, but in, just web. The web. The web. Whoa. Nothing is quite what it seems. And in the shadows lurks his oldest and deadliest enemy, who isn't the Daleks. Yeah. The uh, what you could have won trailer on this release was for Delta and the Batman. And made it look really good. I really like the first episode. Again, that was it's entertaining, it's good, and it's again would fit into the RTD era very quickly. And the rest of it, not so much. Um, this story was originally broadcast between 30th of October and the 20th of November, 1976. So it ties in again because this aired in November and it's November now. Yes, it's almost like we planned it. It's true. Uh, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe and directed by David Maloney. It contains mild violence, horror, and innuendo. It's also notable as this is the, the big story that was used by Mary Whitehouse and her ilk to have Doctor Who slightly emasculate in terms of some of the more horrific aspects of it. Rightly or wrongly, your mileage may vary depending on what you take on Doctor Who. But it's Robert Holmes putting the boot into Time Lords yeah. is the only way to charitably put it. It's it's unusual to think, particularly for anyone who's only sort of, is more familiar with new Doctors, the Time Lords are meant to be based on what we, little we've actually seen of them collectively. And who is quite scary and, and as bad as the Daleks. Yeah, it's, it's why I've, I've always found it hard not to laugh during any of the David Tennant yeah. episodes when he starts to cry and goes on about how sad he is that the Time Lords are all dead. And isn't it a shame when you just go, no? Any time we saw them, they were not only shit. But they were quite shit to you specifically. Yes. In this story in particular, the Time Lords don't treat the Doctor very well at all. Uh, let's see. Uh, so th- he's been given a vision of the assassination of a reti- the retiring current president of the Time Lords. So he goes to stop it. And to attempt to do this, he, he tries to shoot the assassin himself. He misses. Uh, and the assassin kills the, the then president. So what happens is the Time Lord Chancellor Guard... Uh, or torture him and try to extract a confession that way. Yep. But before they do that... Well, threatening him with vaporisation. Yes. Which is against the Constitution. Yeah. But before that, once they discover his TARDIS has appeared, appeared on Gallifrey, he was he had a malfeasance trial, but he was then pardoned. Yet they still treat him like a criminal when he's arrived on Gallifrey. Yeah. Uh, but it's basically, it's the, the most forgotten of forgotten masters is behind all this. We speak of Peter Sharp. Of uh, the uh, master of the egg eggshell eyes. That's true. No one ever talks about Peter Pratt. I mean, even Gordon Tipple, who should be the, the most obscure master of all, still gets mentioned from time to time. Purely, I think, because of his appearance in the McGann movie. <laughs> exactly, he still gets mentioned. But Peter Pratt, who who is in four episodes and does just as much, if not more, than what Jeffy Beavers does, like the master appears. He's not bad. Yeah. He's fine. I think he puts on a perfectly decent performance. Is he my favourite master? No. Is he the weakest master? Yes, only because I don't think any of them were bad. Yeah. Uh, but he's fine. But and it's weird because Deadly Assassin is one of the most talked about stories, and everyone just goes on about Goth and and, and wags furiously because Chancellor Goth's in it. And look, oh look, Goth! It's him! It's him from the War Games! Ah! And they do that horrible thing. And forget that he was also in uh, Planet of the Alex as well. I love Planet Alex. Um, but yes, are they going about the Matrix? Are they going about the fan reaction at the time? 
within the Doctor Appreciation Society. Uh, was that an open, an open letter? Yeah, Vincent Rudsky. Yeah, he lost his shit about it. Uh, an infamous rant to this very day. Available um, online if you wish to track it down. Yeah. Uh, and the Time Lords reinvention. No one ever goes on about poor Peter Pratt. So let's talk about Peter Pratt. Uh, so he's basically a burned, destroyed master. So something unpleasant happened to him at some point between his last El Gando appearance and now. Uh, unfortunately, uh, John Peel will, will detail that little thing in uh, an infamous uh, legacy that Daleks. I think you should tell us all about it. It's a sequel to Dalek Invasion of Earth, which features the return of the Doctor's grand, granddaughter and Dal- some Daleks and the Master. And the upshot is, she ends up, because he kills her husband David, the young chap that she went off with in Dalek Invasion of Earth. So she leaves him horribly damaged and burned on Tercerus. And look, Chancellor Goth just happens to turn up on Tercerus and find the Master. And instead of, you know, cause... The Master's at the end of his regenerative cycle by all accounts at this point, so he's a racked and pained and damaged individual. Goth should technically have the upper hand with that, and maybe if he needs to use him, use the Master, but it's quite clear very early on, Goth is the, do- the Master's bitch. It's true. He, he does anything the Master tells him, pretty much. Uh, and, then, and again, you look at you go, Bernard Horsfall, the late Bernard Horsfall, was a, a fine figure of a man. He was a tall chap. He was striking. Striking, he was powerful. The commanding voice, piercing eyes, and it's all there in his portrayal. And Peter Pratt's all done up like eggshell, and even his cloak is all tattered and black. And he's ah, you know, he's basically like a Poundland version of uh, Palpatine from Star Wars before Palpatine appeared. Yeah, in fact, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, what 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 did uh, the Master have over Goth? But you'll never really know. Maybe it's just kind of strange sexual attraction, who can see? Yeah. Well, you know? we had hypnotism and all that, remember, the master's good at that. Yeah. And probably even better now he's got big egg shit, egg cup eyes. Exactly. Probably hypnotism plus ten. Uh, but the the big thing about it is, it is, I love Doctor Who and I can appreciate all of it, and Time Lords generally get a better deal anywhere other than the TV show. Much like the Cybermen. Yeah. But the Time Lords in this are a doddering old useless shower of feckless twats with the sole exception of one individual not He's Chancellor Goth the hero of the show the legend the, 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 the mighty this is Castellan Spandrel CSI Gallifrey Castellan Spandrel investigates Castellan Spandrel is, is one of the greatest least talked about characters in not just Doctor Who not just in television but in entertainment history uh, from from when people did tales and campfires yes how do we explain what is so good about Castellan's Bandrell? Castellan's Bandrell is, in effect, basically sort of the Commissioner Gordon of Gallifrey. He's head of their, their Chancellery Guard and the police, effect, if you will. So he, he's sort of the chief lawman. Judge Dredd of Gallifrey, if you will. He is the Judge Dredd of Gallifrey. <laughs> uh, he's played by a, an actor called George Pravda. Yes, who was in Doctor Who and uh, The Mutants and also The Enemy of the World. Yes. And many, many other television shows of the 60s and 70s specifically. He uh, was a character actor with a unique, unique performance de- unique delivery of English. Yes. As you can tell from his surname of Pravda, he was not a native of these shows. Uh, but he's fantastic in that He's just, on paper, should not work. He's just a, a slightly small, chubby, portly, doddy kind of character. Yes. But he does actually have an energy to his performances that belies the appearance. Yes. And against everything else, 
he is actually the aside from Barusa and Goth, mm-hmm. the single most effective Time Lord you, you encounter. Arguably, could be the most effective Time Lord of all. Yeah, he he can shoot you from sitting down. Yeah, someone tries to tamper with the the Matrix when the Doctor's in it trying to fight Goth. One of the Masters hypnotised Chancellor Guard, and he, he goes, "Get away from that!" He shoots him away a couple of times, and the third time he does it, he just pulls out a taser and blows the guy away. Yep, <laughs> that's how cast. But. He's quite. Per- he's actually fairly even-handed with the doctor in that. I'm just the law here. I don't trust you, but I also don't believe believe what you that you're guilty of killing. Yeah. Uh, it also has copious appearances by action men. Yes. Because the master uses his tissue compression eliminator uh, to shrink people down. That's why physical effects are always always better than CG high. <laughs> because you can get a little action man stuffed into a telescope. It's amazing. Amazing. It's in effect basically, as has been been renowned, the Hinchcliffe Holmes era was what stories are entertaining that we can steal from. Yes. And this is in effect sort of a little bit of the Manchurian Candidate. A little bit. I think Charlie. They've taken the trademarks off. Pretty much. <laughs> but it, it is the, the thing that the Time Lords are so ineffectual, so useless, and there's many scenes where. They're just doddery old guys, and you're like, how are you the most powerful beings in the cosmos? I don't know, I mean, if, if Omega, the pop of Omega turned up at this point, yeah. he's, he's just... He's he's went back, he just went back to his anti-matter universe, just going, sod this, I'm better off with a head, controlling everything in my own anti-matter pimpdom. Exactly. Gel guards and everything. Yeah, because the thing is, the Time Lords, up until this point, had been presented, War Games was the first time... That they were actually named. Yeah, and seen. And seen. Well, mm. you've seen the monk, who was another of the Doctor's people, but you didn't yeah. know. But this is the first time you've seen. And again, Chancellor Goth was there. Yeah. Or, more accurately, Bernard Horsford was, was playing there. another Time Lord. Yes. But because Doctor Who fans love their continuity, he has to be Chancellor Goth. Well, to be fair, there's nothing in there that says it can't be. Yeah. No. But they're presented as gods, really, at that point. Yeah. Probably, I think, also it helps that it's in black and white. I rather think if it had been in colour it would have probably looked not quite as ridiculous as The Deadly Assassin, but not very miles away. No. And then their next appearance, their sporadic Time Lords appear every so often because they turn round to, to warn the Doctor that the they Master has escaped. Terror of the Autons. Yeah. The Bowler Hat Time Lord. Yeah. Uh, the Master's escaped. He's got, a, got his files. He's going to cause some damage here. But we'll leave it to you and disappear. My favourite Time Lord is, is there's one of the ones in the Third Doctor who's just got this fantastic love of these. The guy goes, once again, oh my god, at the end when he saves it. And every time, he, he's my favourite because he's so bad. Yeah. He's awful. In fact, I love all the Time Lords in the Three Doctors because they're all deeply, deeply terrible and played by really bad actors yes. who don't know what they're doing. And, and it adds to the, adds to the joy of it. And the, and the Three Doctors, they're still kind of powerful but showing to be... Slightly ineffective. Yes. Massively ineffective. Um, and, you know, one, one thing that Deadly Assassin gives us, which is not a good thing, is it gave us those ridiculous Time Lord outfits, which the show is plagued with to this very day. Yes. They are awful. The thing is, they kind of work in that grand ceremonial They work way. for this ceremony, but then but people wear them all the time. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the, the Doctor's trial by Goth, brilliant, when one of the Doddero Time Lords go, Yes, he goes, chap, big brush past me, he goes, I have to get up stage or I'll kill him. <laughs> and then Goth, who's a, a sensibly 
uh, meant to be conducting the trial, goes, aren't you getting hold? Couldn't you have misheard it and saying, I must get up the stage, so I'll kill him. And it's like, yeah, at that point, the entire room should have been going, warning Will Robinson, danger, danger, a biased judge here. Yes. Could he be evil? Yes. Uh. Again, as we said, this is the uh, notable one where the scene of the Doctor being drowned. Yes. Which, I actually kind of see the point. Yes. In terms of it, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't agree with Mary Weathers. In almost always. Um, well, on that one, it's yeah. Doctor Who is still should be a family show. Not a kids' show, a family show. And if you're showing violence and the consequences of the violence, that's all well and good. But drowning, mm-hmm. particularly that. Yeah, it's not a good idea. No. A, a rare misstep. But again, as has been said, Holmes did, did like the, the ground yeah. going all. As, as Uncle Terrence would say. thing is, I only know that phrase from Doctor Who commentary and Uncle Terrence. I've never heard that phrase in any other context ever. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are certain special phrases and words that you only know and only ever hear in Doctor Who circles, and that's one of them. Have you ever had a conversation with anyone in real life in any way where someone's trotted out the grand ring on? Have you ever read a book or seen any film or radio play that's used it other than Doctor Who? Yeah. Where? Uh, just because a lot of horror stuff, because it's kind of a hor- horrific theatre style. Comes from. So again, you're not much of a horror. I'm not much of a horror one, no. So I, I will agree, though. I do hear it more in Doctor Who than just about anyone else. Yes. But uh, now it does kind of sound like they were point down on this story. No, no, we it's no, not. We no, do no, enjoy it, but, yes. but it is objectively, it's a big. Oh, we're going to rip the mythology out of the show. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. Hmm. Again, but. The more Time Lords appear in Doctor Who, the less interesting they are. Except, except for the story of stories. The story that we've been trailing in this podcast for a year now, that one day we will cover. Well, which is, of course, the Trial of the Time Lord. Trial of the Time Lord is the greatest thing ever made in television. As, as we all know. And as will sure. one day be acknowledged. By, by all right-thinking individuals. I mean, fuck's sake, I'm sorry I have to use extreme language here. But right now we are in the midst of the exciting 50th anniversary celebrations. Uh, there's repeats on BBC3 with a knob end in between. Oh, talking pish. Talking utter pish. Um, there was the science of Doctor Who, which is an hour of my life. I will oh. never, ever, ever get back. Fanta mentioned Night of the Doctor. Um, there's a whole week of programmes on radio, documentaries, episodes, uh, target books, so on. Various comics and tie-ins. Where the fuck's the trial of a time world marathon on BBC? BBC One Prime fucking time! Yeah. Ridiculous. We're talking about ridiculous. Let's move from this to this that I'm throwing in your lap. Speak of... Uh, speak of Astrodog by Mr Paul Harrison Davies. What is Astrodog, Andy? Astrodog is a, is a dog who has a spaceship and she goes into space. Oh. It's a rather lovely comic. Uh, which will cost you £5 of your earth money and I think a pound for postage and packing. Okay, Very so good. £6 will get you this fabulous full colour uh, comic. It's a little landscape. But hang on a minute, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm hearing you say £6 for the comic. That seems a bit expensive. Oh, well, it's a small press tale, mm-hmm. uh, so it's an independent like, It's full colour, it's very glossy, heavy, heavy card cover stock uh-huh. and very nice glossy benefit paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can I want you to feel it as well. Oh, that feels good. Yes. 
Uh, but because basically it's a it's about a dog. It's a, a silent comic in effect. There's very little dialogue in terms of there's just some occasional sound effects. But it's a little dog who's just at night lying in her little dog house outside. She's got a big antenna on the top of the roof and a radar dish. Runs about, puts on a wee space space suit, and goes off into space looking for the dog star because apparently it's edible and she's hungry. Looks like a burger. That's a big satellite burger station. Yeah. So she goes there, causes a fight, finds a planet of cats. I won't say any more about the story because it's it's just one of these wordless all ages things, but it's absolutely gorgeous, fully mm-hmm. painted stuff. Yeah. And basically, I'm a big comic fan, as you should know by now, 62 episodes in for fuck's sake, don't very often enough. But over the last sort of couple of years, my gradual dissatisfaction with the Marvel and DC, which dominate a lot of my comic person for years, has got yeah. more substantial due to DC's inability to write anything that doesn't rely on shock, amputation, or in fucking incestuous amounts of Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, and Justice League. Yeah. Gets tedious. Right. Also, Violence against women, horribleness, and inappropriateness. The uh, continual reshuffling and booting off of creative teams before they sometimes get an issue out. Yeah, I mean, let's not get too much into Rat and DC because. That's easy. It's easy. It's too and, easy. And Marvel, uh, with their constant, we must have a new big event. Then a comic settles down for a bit and you enjoy it, then there's a new event and you can't be arsed with it anymore. As has happened to both of us with uh, the Wolverine and the X Men title by Jason Aaron and, and uh, the X Men by uh, Keelan Gillen. Both of which were fantastic. I was enjoying them, they were great. And then the Avengers vs. X-Men happened, and it was awful. Uh, currently you can endure it just now, on the Panini reprints as well. Phil is, uh, the silent member, is suffering it at the moment. Not only is he suffering because it's been reprinted in the UK and such comics, but they just put the price up by 55 pence a pop. Still a bargain though, because it'll yeah. still get you three US comics for £3.50, which will generally only get you... One. One. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... As a case of, I've been finding myself sort of looking around for more and more sort of uh, random other comics to spend my money because I just enjoy comics as a form of storytelling. Yes, it doesn't I, have to be. I, I, I'm currently mostly on a, a break for comics because I've been, as I mentioned before in the podcast, I've been uh, focusing on, on my spare cash, assembling all of Doctor Who, which is television, which is almost complete. Uh, at this stage, I have um, three of the five boxes of missing episodes uh, to get, which are hopefully on the way to me. If the website didn't lie and armed in stock, and uh, the box set of uh, Matt Smith's third series, which we so I'm almost there, and uh, it's a big Lego hunt. And also, as I said before, for all of my hobbies, I always like to take a little break every now and then just to recharge and get the enthusiasm back because if you just get into it too much. So, well, the only comic I'm actually reading is um, Transformers Regeneration 1, which I talked about before, which I quite enjoy. Mm-hmm. Dipping in and out of the Beano and Commando, but you can always dip in and out of them. Yeah. And but I'm, I'm starting to, to feel the urges to, to get back into comics, but that's a, that's a New Year thing. Yeah. But uh, the format in Astro Dog is part of this. Um, it was serialised by the Arsenal website. His work had come across because he did some very nice finger paintings on, I think, either his iPod or I, his iPhone or iPad of the ABC Warriors, and some, sort of in this sort of style of his work in Astro Dog, but a bit more painterly. And so I just kind of followed him on Twitter and he mentioned he was doing a webcomic about Astrodog, which is serialised. And I enjoyed it. And he's like, it's coming to print. And I was like, well, let me know when it comes out. I will buy a copy off you. Yes, I, I have never heard of Astrodog, I have to admit. Because uh, I don't really do a lot of webcomics. Um, 
it's probably just a holdover from before tablets and the like when I just didn't like to read lots of comics on a computer monitor and again it's before computer monitors were Howard Donald and yeah. uh, the screen quality um, so then I've had a look at Annie's it's quite nice I plan to order the copy now that I have been paid um, because it's good and I might actually test it out with an 8 year old if I can find one and see how, uh, see how the kids respond to it that came out wrong <laughs> I'd like to find out it's because I might I might know one in real life um, that also sounds wrong put some like another shovel Okay, let's start Ralph, that conversation again. Ralph has an acquaintance who is eight years old. Yes, <laughs> and um, yes, and who may enjoy comics. I may, I'll, I'll get a copy and see if see if he likes that. I think because um, I'm curious as to how it would play with um, target audience. But no, uh, but again, why I was saying you know people listen to Michael six pounds for a comic that's a bit expensive. Um, even allowing the fact it's uh, not a small press, but you know basically someone did it themselves. The lovely car covers. Um, Lovely paper stock. The printing is fantastic value. There's no adverts. What? And not only that, you had a special bonus. True. You got your copy. What was your special bonus? Inside, I got some envelope part. And yeah, yes, and the uh, the, the artist drew some. So um, I'm planning on googling Astro Boy. Not Astro Boy, because he's shit. Astro Dog. You can see. Uh, later on, I'm just going to get a copy myself because I uh, think it's great. Uh, I will give you the, the links now, gentle listeners. Astrodog.wordpress.com uh, is where the original webcomic is still up for serial eyes, so you can read it before you buy it. For free? Yeah. And then if you go to paulmhd.bigcartel.com, is the artist's uh, comics online store where you can order it directly from him. Yep. Because uh, the good captain, uh, the first stunt, stunt roll from the podcast, uh, I also turned him up to this and he has his own copy as well. Yeah. So, Astrodog. It's it's just perfect. All oh, again, we talk about all ages comics in terms of uh, comics are accessible. This is kind of wonderfully charming, I shall say. Now, talking of charming, let us move on to this. Now, I have a special treat here uh, for the listeners uh, because, as you know, um, we like to support UK newsstands where we can. Yes, when it comes to comics and kiddie-type publications, because we get very, very annoyed, and I've ranted about it before, as to the poor quality of many of these things. Yes. For instance, before we talk about this, a little aside about perhaps the latest issue of Doctor Who Adventures, Andy. Oh yes, the uh, latest issue of Doctor Who Adventures is... Number 333. That's right, it's now surpassed Marvel UK's Transformers uh, for longest running, for being long running. Uh, it mm-hmm. is... Uh, I'll see you as always speaking, you had a couple of pints in the pub. True, I you, 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 were, you were not intoxicated, you were not drunk, it was not like in the evening, we were just having a few pints, having a wee catch up in the pub. And, uh, but the quality of this magazine is, <laughs> well, what we'll see is, there's always very lovely art from Jamie Smart, who does like his Where's the Doctor pictures in it, and does a little co- one page comic strip with sort of kiddified versions of uh, Slavine, a Cyberman, a Sontaran, uh, a Weeping Angel, uh, strange cat-like thing, and a uh, Silurian. It's lovely. Uh, the puff pieces and articles and uh, column articles are absolutely fucking awful. In a way that's absolutely lowest common denominator. Anyone involved in this should actually be deeply fucking ashamed. But it also has a four-page comic strip drawn by the world's happiest comic artist. John Ross. Social John Ross. Yes. And it has a Doctor Who crossover with another Doctor. Uh, this time it's the Matt Smith Doctor meeting the first Doctor and Susan. But they never actually meet in that planetary authority way that they sort of their paths cross, but they never actually directly interact. 
Yeah. Which is always a nice way to do crossovers, actually. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. His art's, fan, his art's really good, very bold and cartoony, but the story is, as you would imagine for these things, utterly dreadful. But there's an exclusive interview with Matt Smith and Yes, the, the exclusive interview with Matt Smith and David Tennant is random quotes hived off from the more entertaining Matt Smith, David Tennant interview from Doctor Who magazine. The Doctor Who magazine worth buying. Yes. So... As, as an example of a fair quality uh, children's publication, I have an example of a, a high quality publication now. I speak, of course, of uh, Mr. Men and Little Miss magazine. That's right, Mr. Men and Little Miss magazine, issue one, which is on sale between the 25th of September and the 12th of November 2013 and cost £3.50, i.e. £49 less than that issue of Doctor Who Adventures. Now, Mr. Men's an interesting thing. I, I watched some Mr. Men cartoons recently. Did they still hold up? As for, people, for, people, for people who don't know the Mr. Men, how would you describe it? Uh, Mr. Men and the Little Misses was created by Roger Hargreaves. And basically, little kids' books, very boldly illustrated, which had characters with names. And they all had sort of like their names associated with their tray. Like Mr. Strong was strong. Mr. Bump would obviously hurt himself a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, bump into things. Mr. Grumpy was grumpy. Mr. Tickle, Mr. Greedy, Little yeah. Miss Princess. And, you know, and, and generally they're quite innocent little cartoons. Um, the DVDs are incredibly cheap, or YouTube has them all. Take about five minutes long. Sometimes, uh, you know, you don't quite have the innocence of childhood. Like recently, I watched uh, Mr. Grumpy. Mr. Grumpy. And uh, Mr. Grumpy, he's very unhappy. You know, he wasn't happy at all, hence his name. And he, uh, his friend, Mr. Tickle. Um, who was going around town tickling people uh, decided to help him out and there was something kind of perverted about Mr Tickle that didn't strike me before <laughs> something about the way I view the world and I thought right let's follow the story arc because it did introduce the story arc of Mr Tickle that's right story arcs of Mr Men cartoons so I thought right going you watch the Mr Tickle cartoon and Mr Tickle uh, he's got long long um, sort of orange arms like strands of spaghetti yeah like strands of spaghetti it's this permanent sort of Expression as if he's as if he's high, and a sort of like little a little hack to one side, a bit like Andy BC from Oz. Uh, Andy BC was the character in Oz, the prison drama who bumped people violently uh, without the permission at any given opportunity. He was a bit rapey. He was. He was a he was a bad one. But a very engaging character, nevertheless. <laughs> um, yeah. So you watch the Mr. Tickle episode, and there, <laughs> and you realise that how he spends his day is sitting in his chair in his house pissing himself laughing because he's going to go and get everyone in Mr. Men town. So he goes off to get the butcher and he fuels up the butcher. He fuels up various people in town and in one quite extra- ex- extraordinary sequence in this day and age he goes to a nearby school hangs around outside the classroom of the children opens the window, peers in laughs to himself and then the long tingly hands go into the room and one by one he feels the children to make them tickle, and it's completely innocent. There's, there's, there's nothing there. But I laughed because I'm a bad, bad person. You are, and I shouldn't laugh at those things because it is generally an innocent cartoon and it's great value. So, so this new publication's come out, and I think the best way to do it is my review of it is I think it's a fantastic publication uh, for young children. It's not a comic book, but it's uh, it's got various puzzles and posters and stickers. Really well produced, really high value. I think you get an extraordinary amount for your £3.50. And I think any kids run about maybe five, six, 
maybe seven. We'd probably have a good time with this magazine. Andy has not seen this magazine, so what we're going to get a fresh perspective, a live review if you like, possibly the first and last live review of the Mr. Men Little Miss magazine you'll ever find on the internet. This is a podcast exclusive. It's true. So you've got cover mounted gift, which is quite substantial. It's two uh, collectibles of Mr. Mr. Bump and Little Miss Sunshine. Yep. Quite nice. Uh, you've got... Uh, the unfortunate thing it has is the slightly larger cover that Transformers Prime has as well. True. It always annoys me. Uh, but you get a cut-out thing you can make Mr. Bump's bumper car. So you can stick them in it and yep. twat them in the trees. Uh, you can quite tell that the magazine does have a very uh, bold educational unit because it talks about learning in it. Well, the, the cover says it supports yeah. the national curriculum. Yeah. So unlike Michael Gove, it's actually trying to help teach people. Yes. Cheap political point. It's good. Uh, but it kind of kicks off with with that, sort of some colouring in. It's and some questions there. And just... Then Mr. Bump gives you a nice little sticker story. Yeah. And again, your stickers are in the middle that you can put onto the story. Very good. Uh, uh, what I like as well, I like the, the paper shop. It's quite good for colouring in. It's not yes. glossy, it's a nice sort of... It's quite hard. To, it's yeah. a matte finish. Again, so... Again, then you've got your most, a lot of sticker fun in it. So, that it's, so you've got stuff to read and stuff to do for the kids. And it's very much geared at that. And it's getting them thinking, getting them to do things. So... It's uh, also um, it's quite well laid out. There's there's readable vocabulary. It's not really a lot of kids' comics like Doctor Adventures are really badly designed. They're just shit thrown at the page. But this is nice and clear, isn't it? And again, giving you things on how you can draw Mister Happy and Little Miss Gay, which looks and like you could actually follow them. And you've got the centre pages. Oh, you've got a board game. Love that. Yes. Does it quite surpass the Transformers UK Generation 2 board game? Nothing ever will. No. no. Nothing ever will. just stickers. Lots of stickers. And you've got a poster as well. With all the Mr. Men on it. Which a nice little checklist of them. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Messy. Mr. Messy. Is he your favourite one? No, no. What was your favourite one? Mr. Bump, because I had his book. He's the first Mr. Men book I got. Oh. I was felt sorry for Mr. Bump. Never gets well. Must have some head injuries going on. Sure. Yes. So, <laughs> Mr. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm a bad person. Well, at least he's not hanging around that same school that Mr. Uh, Tickle is. Yeah. Yes. So, we're working again. Yep, yep, there you go. And then it's like a, how are you feeling? So you can pick which Mr. Man you are. Okay. And a little miss. Right, which Mr. Man are you then? Okay, which colour will I choose today, red or orange? Uh, red. Will you colour an apple or a cake? Cake. Okay. You're feeling extra ticklish. <laughs> so, to be like Mr Tickle, you're going to have to tell a joke or tickle someone. I'm tickling you. I'm tickling you. This is the single most uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> of our friendship. Never do that again. I was trying, I was, there was a live tickle on a podcast. That doesn't yeah. happen very often. It's on, it's on topic. It's true. Didn't work though. Uh, Not really tickly, are you? No. Oh well. Uh, then there's the angle that will miss question. Uh, we'll be doing that. Uh, then there's a Mr. Impossible's Impossible Challenge where you have to try and steer, cheer up Mr. Grumpy. <laughs> so you have to colour, stick, and draw to find out. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's, a, there's actually the first advert there for uh, some some Hello Kitty little miss merchandise for uh, kids up to one to seven years. 
exclusive MNS. So, okay. okay, very good like on adverts. Yes, indeed. Unlike the other flimsy ragbag piece of shit that is Doctor Who Adventures magazine. Indeed. Uh, more stickers to make an underwater scene. Uh, uh, another sticker story there with Little Miss Sunshine. Mm -hmm. And the stories are, are, again, in these kid books when you get little, or kids' magazines like that, your stories, particularly prose ones, will be about one page, maybe two if you're lucky. These are four. There's a lot for kids to do in that. Yeah. And then you've got Puzzle Corner at the end, so some more questions and things to do. And then just a random picture that you can do, send a photo of it, and you might get it in the magazine. Ooh! And then there's a small should have a go. Think we should have a go. No, that's not. Okay. And I do like how the way it goes. It takes all the details, and it's got some parents going to do it. it. Goes, we're sorry, but we can't return any photos or drawings, and we'll print as many as we can. Yeah. Oh my god. What? What? What we discovered? And have we discovered a thrilling connection? They're the same publisher. No. Yes. Wow. Immediate media, the ones that are publishing this. Yeah. But it must be on. It must be a different team somewhere else. So it's yeah. the same people that are doing that. They can do so well with one publication. Unexpected link. Yeah. There's even the paper that's printed on is higher quality. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. Kevin's and help at Mobob as yeah. well. No, same office as the publication as well. It's a different team. So basically, immediate media company, if you can produce Mr. Men and Little Miss magazine, there's no excuse for Doctor Adventures. That I believe is a lesson of today. It is. Who knew, who knew we'd learn that? Um, so yes, yeah, so obviously it comes out, um, I think it's uh, four issues a year. Quarterly by monthly. Yeah, quarterly by monthly. Apparently issue two was out last week. I haven't seen issue two anywhere, so I do hope it hasn't... Um, Crashed and burned with issue one, which would be a terrible shame because uh, I mean, there was I brought it up because as I said, I'm interested in UK newsstand. Uh, I usually will pick up issue one of anything because it's a habit I just can't hit, can't can't get rid of uh, rather I should say, and I actually do genuinely enjoy the Mister Men. It's one of those things where even as an adult, I will uh, I do on the DVD set over there, and I will occasionally stick it on or go on YouTube and watch the old episodes because um, it's fun, it's enjoyable. Um, I really like the craft in it. And this is great. Because uh, it's got good stickers, it's got good work. Um, as a 35 year old man, I was entertained by this magazine, genuinely. And uh, now that Andy's reviewed it, it means I can now take the sticker sheets and uh, I can use them. And the fact that some of them are going to go on my diary at work because I'll be moving on to a new diary for 2014. And my current diary, which has a Mr. Bob sticker on it, will be retired. Uh, so the Mr. Men actually helped me in my job. Uh, five days a week as I, as I try and help people out, uh, Mr. Bob is there. In fact, I might even use the I Did The Impossible sticker because it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, so, so there you go. Or I'm clever. No, that's, that's too much. Um, but yes, pretty good. also like stickers that say no, no, no. And yes, yes, yes. Probably good. So there we go. So who knew there'd be a happy end uh, to this podcast? I'm not going to even be featured about all about Mr. Tickle because I still think he's wrong. Yes. He's a wrong man. He's a bad man. Uh, Mr. Bob. Mr. Bob is the best. We all know this. So, when we take our leave of you, we'll be back at some point, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, but our schedules have been a little bit erratic of late. However, uh, if you do want to post anything regarding it, just hit us up on the website and just comment under the pod podcast there at star-dub.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, it does us no harm at all if you give us a rating or even a review. 
Well, oh, well, well, unless it's a bad one, in which case don't bother. Yeah, don't, don't you dare. Don't you even think about giving us one star. We talked about the Mr. Men magazine. What more could you possibly want from a podcast? Indeed. Anyway. So, well, we'll be back and we'll probably be uh, talking about the 50th anniversary Doctor Who special. The one that we don't care about because we've already had Paul McGann uh, on television. We may be drunk. <laughs> when you say maybe, currently we've got a Doctor Who uh, Tesco cake. The exciting 50th anniversary cake. That once. doesn't have any alcohol content unless you pour I'm getting to that. Um, when I was at the Dimensions 2013 Doctor Who convention, which was fantastic by the way, I, I picked up the 50th anniversary shot glass collection, 11 shot glasses, each with one of the Doctors on it, and the wooden spoon, the one that just has the Doctor Who logo on it. Uh, we also have uh, some Spurn of Gold, with gold sparkly bits in it, so it's like Regeneration Vodka. Yes. I like that as well. I have devised a drinking game called The Drink of the Doctor. I've printed them out, we're ready to go. There's a special bonus section for Doctor Who Live, we'll watch that. I may kill us. They did kill us. I've got some... Uh, Doctor Who 50th anniversary baddies which for Bun Planet Edinburgh bless them we're giving yeah. away for free yeah. many as you like within reason we've got them so we can wear them and feel very special it's, 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 all, it's all kicking off yes so we'll probably talk about that yeah. we'll even record some live opinions yes who knows we can't promise anything goodbye very well